0: Christ with us. I was asking God as I was thinking about this service and what text he would have for us to go to, and uh, last several weeks this text has been upon my heart, and let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of James, James chapter 4, James chapter 4, I've been thinking about verse 14, James chapter 4 and verse 14. You know, it's easy for us to let life go by and not make it count for Jesus Christ. It's easy for us to live so selfishly and and waste so much of our life on things that really don't matter. D.O. Moody said, Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things that don't really matter. Oh, how we can waste our life, and waste the vapor that God has given to us. And it is good for us to stop and think about how we are living the lives God has given us. And a challenging question is brought to us here this morning in verse 14, but we'll pick it up in verse 13. It says in James four thirteen, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will continue in such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. Tremendous question right here. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you pray this prayer unto the Lord? Lord, whatever it is that you speak to my heart about this morning, by your grace, I will do it. Would you pray that prayer unto the Lord? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is truth. I thank you that it cleanses us. I thank you, Lord, that it is eternal. Lord, your word is powerful. I thank you that we have uh, the complete canon of scripture. Lord, thank you for the privilege our eyes have to fall upon the pages of your word. Lord, thank you that we have ears that we can hear and uh, hear your word preached and Lord, hear uh, uh, your word quoted. Lord, it's been a blessing already uh, to sing and to hear these things and to testify of what you've done because of your word. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit that convicts us, Lord, that reproves and rebukes. And Lord, I pray that as you have gathered us here for this service this morning and the time that we have remaining, I ask, Lord, that you would speak to each one of our hearts very specifically. Lord, I pray that eternity would be impacted because of what you've done in each of our hearts. And Lord, I, along with these others, pray whatever it is that you speak to my heart about tonight, today, by your grace, I will do it. Lord, as best as I know, I'm on the altar. Lord, I I pray that if there's any here that does not know thee as Savior, that they would see their desperate need for thee, that they would come to that saving knowledge of you, that you would change someone's eternal destination here this morning. Lord, I pray that they would come to that saving knowledge of you. Lord, thank you again for your word. Thank you for the church family that we have. Lord, thank you for the privilege that we have to pray and to call upon you. And uh, Lord, I do thank you for uh, Sean and, and Katia. And I pray, Lord, that you would minister to her in a very specific and special way. Lord, I ask that you would put it upon our hearts in these coming days. Lord, press it upon us, Lord, as we go about our day, to pray for her. Lord, when she needs the others to help hold, hold her arms up, I pray, Lord, that you would give us that ministry of intercession for her. And Lord, I pray that you would be so near and so dear to her than, than you've ever had before. Lord, may you be so real to her more than she's ever known before. May she know your presence. May she know that you're right there with her. Lord, give her the comforting of the scriptures, and uh, Lord, may you minister to her in a way as only you can. Lord, thank you uh, so much for her, and Lord, thank you for our church family. Lord, may you continue to mold us and make us to become more like your dear son, we ask in Christ's name, amen. The title of the message this morning is, What is Your Life? What is your life? Number one, we'll see a life of uncertainty. Number two, a life of brevity. Number three, a life of foolishness. And then number four, a life of wisdom. Because of the brevity of life, we must live for God's purposes. We must live for his will. We see here in verse 13, it says, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. This word, this phrase, go to now, has a sense of urgency. It's a sense of an attention. He's trying to get their attention. And certainly God is seeking to get our attention. I really believe that this morning, that God is seeking to get my attention. He's seeking to get your attention. And if there's ever a time for us to listen, it is when God is speaking. If there's ever a time for us to, to perk up and, and to, to remove the distractions, it's when God is speaking and he's seeking to get their attention. He says the same phrase in verse number 1 of chapter 5. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Uh, there's a sense of urgency that is, that is given here. I, I was meditating on Psalm, or Proverbs 1 and, and wisdom, uh, wisdom's voice. When's the last time you've heard wisdom's voice? Oh, it says there in uh, Proverbs one twenty, "'Wisdom cried without, she uttered her voice in the streets. She cried in the chief place of concourse in the opening of the gates of the city. She uttered her words, saying, "'How long, ye simple ones?' We love simplicity.'" And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Oh, when God is speaking, when wisdom is speaking, we must listen. Uh, We must listen to wisdom's voice. He At the very end of Proverbs 1, verse 33 says, But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Meg and I were lamenting about some people that we know that have not listened to the voice of wisdom and they are not quiet from the fear of evil. There isn't peace in their life. Uh, things have uh, uh, have an upheaval in their life because of sin, because of not listening to God. Hebrews 2.1 says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Oh, how valuable God's word is. He tells us in, <clears throat> in Proverbs chapter 3, Buy the truth and sell it not. Oh, cleave to the word of God. Uh, this is uh, what is true. This is uh, Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. This is, the Bible will stand all the test of time. It is eternal. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And so there is a sense of urgency. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. They're making plans for their future. They're making plans uh, for uh, the next year. Uh, we can uh, make our plans as well. And, and is uh, uh, the writer saying, or God's saying to us, "Don't make plans because you don't know what's going to be tomorrow." So don't make any plans. He's not saying that. He's not saying don't make plans. Uh, he even tells us in Proverbs twenty four twenty seven, "Prepare thy work without, make it fit for thyself in the field, and then afterwards build thine house." He reminds us of the ants in Proverbs 30, verse 25, that the ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. And Luke 14, 28 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? And so it's not a thing of, of, okay, well, we're not supposed to plan for the future because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. No, God calls us to plan but what is, uh, what is uh, uh, the warning here in verse 13? It is planning our life without God. Without that sense of, uh, of urgency. Without that sense that we don't know what's going to happen because this is a life of uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen from day to day. We don't know what uh, I mean, I'm planning to be in here for the two-minute warning, but something may come up that I might not be able to be here for the two-minute warning. Uh, You know, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to plan on being here. But uh, so often we plan our lives without God. And it is a life of presumption. Uh, It is a presumptuous sin to think that we can live and plan our life without God. John 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. We are nothing without him. We have no breath. We have no life. We have no wisdom. We have no understanding. He is everything to us. Uh, Proverbs 27 1 says, Boast not that self tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Oh, we are not in control. Uh, We can't control all of these things. Uh, I, I always, uh, uh, every year I, I, at 9-11, I watch some different uh, uh, videos and things to remind myself of that time. And, and it was a month after 9-11, I was able to go up to New York City for the first time. And I saw uh, the towers and, and uh, the rubble, and they were still pouring water upon them. And, and, uh, and I remember uh, the pastor's wife, uh, that uh, one of the, uh, the uh, college students we were with, uh, his mom, uh, gave us a stack of tracks. I want to say about that big. I mean, just hundreds and hundreds of tracks. And, uh, and, of course, me and my spiritual mindset, I'm like, I don't want to carry that around. <laughs> you know, we weren't out there to, to give the gospel. Really, we were just going to go sightseeing, as I'd never been there, and several other students hadn't been there either. And, and yet, as we were just in the subways and walking in different places, we're talking to people, and people were so open. Uh, I remember being on the subway and asking one of the, the men there, and I said, did you know anybody in the towers? And they said, yes. And You know, they died there, and, and he was so uh, broken and, and sober, and I was able to give him the gospel And at that time, people were so receptive to the gospel. They were so receptive because they realized they're not in control of their life. That at any moment, something can happen and everything's changed. They were concerned about how they were living their life. Were they even making an impact to be a a help and a blessing to others? They were uh, uh, hugging their families tighter. uh, And they uh, were thinking about eternity. What is going to happen to me after I die? And oh, how we, we need to get back to that. Oh, how I wish America was back to that, to where we had that same desire uh, as they did back then. Uh, certainly, uh, life is, uh, is so uh, fleeting and, and it is uncertain. Uh, he says, Today or tomorrow, we'll go into such a city and continue there year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. Life is not uncertain to God, but to us it is. He knows. What's in our tomorrows? He's already there in our tomorrows. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the rest of my life. I don't know what I'm going to face, but I do know this, God's going to stand beside me. I do know this, God will not leave me nor forsake me, that he's always going to be there with me. Uh, Even though other things may change my life, he never changes. He is immutable. And so uh, this is a life of uncertainty, but then notice number two, a life of brevity. A life of brevity. He says, what is your life? Uh, this is a very probing question he is asking. Uh, this is a question of introspection. It's a question that is pointed. It's a question that is personal. Uh, this is not a question that we answer collectively. It's a question that we must answer individually. Perhaps uh, when you think about your life, it's, you think it's, it's painful. Uh, maybe you've messed up your life. Maybe uh, you, you've, uh, you've ruined so much time and so much life has gone by that you haven't made your life count for Christ. Uh, I was with, uh, in that meeting in, in Florida, and there was a man that came forward, and, and uh, I, uh, he, I thought he was coming forward for salvation, and, and, uh, but I asked him, I said, why would you come forward? And, and, uh, and he says, I've made a mess of my life. He says, you preached on the ten lepers? He says, I'm the leper. He says, I'm the one that's, that's drowning in my sin, that I've separated from my family. so my family doesn't want anything to do with me. Uh, and he was just so uh, uh, broken over his sin, and, and, uh, and I, I took him through the, the gospel, and he did know Christ as a Savior, uh, but he says, I've messed up my life so much, and, and, uh, and yet I remind him of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son, what, he was so prideful. Uh, he wanted his father's inheritance. In essence, he's saying, Dad, you're dead to me. I'm going to go live my life the way I want to. And yet when that inheritance ran out, when the life that his father gave him was done, and he's there feeding with the pigs in that slop, he comes to himself and he realizes, you know what, I can go back home. My father's servants have, have uh, bread, nothing to spare, and here I'm perishing with hunger. And so he goes back home, and of course the prodigal son, that story isn't about the son, it's about the father. And the father, he was, saw him a great way off. He was watching, he was looking for his son. And yes, his son had wasted that time, and so his father uh, doesn't say to him, you know what, just, you already left me, you already said I was dead to you, so I'm going to be dead to you as well, you just need to get out of here. No, he says, uh, kill the fatted calf. Put a robe upon him. Put a ring upon him. Uh, he's come home. He was so excited that his son had come home. And I was trying to encourage him. I said, you know what? God's given you another chance. Uh, God wants to uh, to do some great things. And I believe that if you humble yourself and you respond in that brokenness, God's going to restore some things in your life. And, and uh, it, was a, it was a very sweet and special time uh, as we both prayed. And then we hugged each other. And he just kept crying and just saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And and uh, I, I want to know what's going to happen in his life because I could see God reviving him. You see, God is very good in the reviving business. You may have wasted your life up to this point, but you still are breathing. God's still giving you another opportunity. He's still giving you another day. God's not done with you yet. Uh, God can revive you, God can restore you. Uh, he's in the resurrection business. And so, this question for what is your life? It is even a vapor. Oh, certainly, it, it's here and it's gone. Uh, Job, many verses in Job, uh, talks about how our life is just, uh, just passes away. He says in Job 7, verse 7, Oh, remember that my life is wind. It's just here and it's gone. Uh, Psalm 102.3, For my days are consumed like smoke, Psalm four four his days are as a shadow that passeth away. Uh, 1 Peter one twenty four says, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of men is a flower of grass. The grass with it, the flower thereof falleth away. Uh, our flower is fading. Our life is fading. We don't have much time here on this earth. Although there ought to be a, a sense of urgency about us as we think about uh, this life that God has given to us. Do you value life? Uh, how valuable is life to you? Uh, some people think, well, uh, uh, my life is valuable because of all of the followers that I have on social media. Uh, my life is valuable because see how many views I got? <laughs> see how many likes I got? And we can, t- can kind of get into that, that, uh, that lie thinking that, okay, well, as long as these people are, are liking my posts, whatever it might be, then I have value to life. But that's not true. Your life has value even if you don't have any friends on social media. Uh, your life has value even if uh, certain things aren't happening. Why? Because it is God that puts the value on life. God says, you're valuable to me. Now you may believe the lie that the devil's trying to tell you and say, oh, my life's not very valuable. Oh, believe the truth that God says you are very valuable to me. How valuable is life? How valuable are you to God? John 3, 16 For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you. Uh, Side note, our pastor is going to be flying to North Carolina, and he's going to be preaching at Ambassador Baptist College. He's going to be preaching Thursday and Friday, so please be praying for him uh, with that. And Uh, Thursday, he's going to give some of his testimony of of how God worked in his life. And one of the things that God worked in his life, and while pastoring here, he says, I would preach God loves the world. But he says, there was a point where I thought God didn't love me. And it wasn't personal to me. Oh, he says, "You know, our God is personal. He loves you. He loves me. He loves the whole world. He says, you are so valuable to me. I am sending my son to, to, to pay the price for your sins. And first Timothy 2 4, who of all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, this life is, is short. It is a vapor here on earth. As it appointed men once to die, but after this, the judgment, after you die, what's going to happen? You're either going to go, the Bible says, in two places. Either you're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. Revelation 21, 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which birthing fire and brimstone, which is the second death. God does not want you to go to hell. Now, you, uh, you say, well, how am I going to go to hell? It's by, because of your sin. Uh, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Death simply means separation. You're going to die. All of us are going to die at some point physically. But this, it doesn't just mean physical separation. It's spiritual separation where you are separated from God for all eternity. And God does not want you to be separated from him for all eternity. That's why he paid the price for your sin. That's why he uh, died upon that cross and he shed his blood. And he endured the wrath of Almighty God and his holiness against our sin. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in him. He was buried and he uh, rose again that third day, conquering sin and conquering the grave. He said in John uh, John 10.25, I am the resurrection of life. Uh, He is the resurrection of life. John 14, 6, you say to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. There's only one way that we can get to heaven, and that is only through Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Do you know if you were to die today that you'd go to heaven? Have you ever seen yourself as a sinner in need of a Savior? Have you ever called upon Christ and asked him to save you? Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, in a few moments, we'll give you an opportunity to get that settled. If you don't know, if you were to die today, that you would go to heaven. Oh, it is Christ that gives value to our life. But then it's Christ that gives us purpose. Uh, he says in John 10.10, 10, The thief cometh not for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that, I, that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. God wants to give us life. The closer we get to God, the more life we have. But then when we let sin come in, we get us. the more death comes into our life. The devil wants us to, uh, he wants to steal, he wants to kill, he wants to destroy. God wants to bring life to you and have it more abundantly. In uh, Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh, our life is Christ. He is the purpose. Uh, there is a God-sized hole that, that, uh, that every one of us has that only God can fill. You might fill your life with all kinds of things, but only God can truly fill that God-sized hole in your life. Uh, if anything less than, than living our lives for him will keep us parentally dissatisfied. Second Corinthians 5 verse 15 says, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Oh, Christ gives us purpose. Christ gives us value. What is your life? It is even a vapor. He answers that question. That appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Well, if our life is a vapor, then it ought to cause us to have a sense of urgency. We ought to have a sense of urgency about us that we don't know uh, when the, the last day is going to be, that we need to live each day as if it is our last. We need to live with eternity's values and view. Colossians 3.1, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things in the earth. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye appear also with him in glory. Are your affections set above? Are you living for the things of this world? Uh, we're gonna, when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to regret the days, the times that we've lived for the things of this world and not for Christ, where we've gone our own way instead of God's way. And when we go our own way instead of God's way, and we're filled with our own ways, there's a term for that. It's called backslidden. Backslidden. When we're filled with our own ways instead of God's, and God is seeking to get our attention here in James chapter four, don't live for the temple. live for the eternal. Have that sense of urgency be about us. And First uh, Timothy four eight says, "For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable to all things, having promise of the life that now is and of the life that which is to come." What are you doing, living? What are you uh, doing for eternity's values? Are you given to missions? Are you giving to the church and, and uh, helping perpetuate the gospel of Christ to crown the world? Uh, are you praying for others? Are you spending time in his word? Do you have tracks on you? Are you giving the gospel? For some of you, those are three by five cards. Uh, for some of you, uh, you, don't, you can't even remember the last time you gave out a track. Maybe you haven't even given him one out even this year. And all of these nine months now, maybe you haven't even given out one tr- gospel tract. Oh, I encourage you, don't let uh, some more time go by without giving out a gospel track. Uh, Don't let the next three months go by without trying to get the gospel to somebody else. Oh, there ought to be that sense of urgency for eternity's values in view. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill said, The devil has thrown the dust of time into our lives and has blinded us to eternity. Jonathan Edwards, he prayed, God, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. When revival hits your heart and mine, eternity will be so real to us, all oh, that we live for eternity values and view. Someone said, until you understand the value of time, you'll never embrace the importance of today. You will not regret coming to church this morning. You're not going to regret it at the judgment seat of Christ being here at church today. Yeah, and, and we see here that our life is a life of uncertainty, a life of brevity, but then there's the life of foolishness. He says here in verse number 15, for you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. We are to, we are to live this life with, the, with, the, uh, with God in mind. Uh, we're to live with God's will in our mind. He says there, for if the if, if ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Uh, several times throughout the New Testament, Talks about that, Acts 16, or Acts 18, 21. Uh, he says, I will return again unto you if the Lord will. First uh, Corinthians four nineteen says, But I will come to you shortly if the Lord will. First uh, Corinthians sixteen, seven uh says, if the Lord permit, uh Romans one ten, making request, if by any means not out length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. If it's the Lord's will, he's, what's, you know, we can have that phrase, you know, well, Lord willing. And, and we can say that phrase, and sometimes we say it so much that it doesn't mean anything to us. And uh, we, can, uh, we can have it lose its meaning. What is it that we're trying to get ourselves to do, Lord willing? We're trying to th- put this with God in mind. Uh, Lord willing, we're going to have the men's meeting. Uh, we're going to have the two-minute warning. Uh, we want to make sure that we're putting God in mind, that we're not doing this in our own strength. But now here you've got people that say uh, they're boasting. You know, I don't need God in my life. I'm boasting, uh, it says there, but now you're rejoicing your boastings and all such rejoicing is evil. I'm going to plan my life without God and God calls that evil. God calls that foolishness. Uh, He uh, he talks about the uh, man who uh, was so rich and, and just so much uh, abundance was coming. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to hold even more of, my, uh, more of my grain, and I'm going to make even more money down the road. And he says unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So he that layeth up treasure for himself is not rich toward God. Oh, the world tells us, oh, accumulate things. Be covetousness, or be covetous. He says in uh, uh, Luke 12, 15, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Oh, we live our lives so much without God. Psalm 10 and verse four says, the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Psalm 14 and verse one says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And that's a, there is italicized, you could really say, the fool has said in his heart, no God. And that's what they're saying here in James chapter 4. They're saying, we don't need God in our life. We're handling this life without him. We're doing just fine, quite nicely, without God. We do not need God in our life. And I've witnessed to people, and maybe you have too, and they've got their beer, and they've got their cigarette, and they say, I don't need that crutch of religion. <laughs> and yet they're holding on to the beer and the cigarette that doesn't ever satisfy it doesn't that it just continually gets them to want some more? Uh, because sin is never never satisfies, uh, sin, uh, uh, you know, the uh, with at the end it, it brings forth death, and so uh, we uh, we ought to, to not be so prideful and to think that we can live this life on our own. No, we need God and this sinful, prideful life that they have, and they're boasting. He says, All such rejoicing is evil, Proverbs. 28 and or 25, verse 14 says, Whoso boasteth themselves of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. Oh, they're boasting. Oh, we're going to live all these days. We're going to do all of these things. They're boasting of something they don't have, they cannot possess in their own. And again, Proverbs 21 and 27, verse 1, boast not thyself of tomorrow. And James 3 and verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter, a little fire kindleth. Oh, this life of, uh, of, of living without God is a life of foolishness. And every time, every day that I've lived without God and without uh, being dependent upon God, without being right with God, I've regretted every day of those that I've had. I've never regretted a day when I've done God's will. I've never regretted a day that I was obedient to the Lord. And He has a will for our life. He has a purpose for your life and for mine. And so we don't want to live the life of foolishness No, we want to live a life of wisdom. So we see, number one, a life of uncertainty, a life of brevity, a life of foolishness. But notice, lastly, it can be a life of wisdom. He says in verse 17, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Oh, these that uh, that say, you know, I'm just going to live the way that I want to live without God, even though they know the right way, even though God has convicted them, has shown them the right way, they still say, nope, I'm not going to live that way. That is a life of foolishness. But a life of wisdom listens to the Lord. Romans one twenty one says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. God has a plan for your life and for mine. And he has a, a certain things he wants us to do each day. What does he want us to do? He wants us to spend time in his word every day. He wants us to pray every day. He wants us to give the gospel out to others. He wants us to give uh, to missions and give to the church and things, and then he wants us to serve. He wants us to serve others. He wants, there's, uh, there's a, uh, you know, as we were talking about the two-minute warning, there's so many places that you can serve. There's, God has a, has a plan and a purpose for your life that is far greater than you can even imagine. He says in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. If I were to talk to myself 25 years ago, and, uh, and just came up to my, uh, to my uh, 17-year-old self and said, you know what, I want to tell you all that God's going to do in the next 25 years. And I'd be like, uh, you're crazy, Tim. Uh, there's no way. There's no way God's going to do all that. There's no way this is going to happen. I just can't see it. And yet God has this plan, and, and he's done so much in and through us. Then it just blows my mind that I get to get to serve the Lord. I remember asking the Lord uh, I, when I first started in evangelism, I said, "Lord, would you give me ten years in evangelism and then take me home?" Uh, I believe God meant it for the long haul, but but uh, I said, "Lord, if you just give me ten years, Lord, would you just just establish your name on my life of your calling that I am an evangelist and you know just to be known as an evangelist and and certainly God has done that. And now we're at twelve years. This is bonus. Uh, every, every opportunity is a bonus opportunity to speak. Uh, every opportunity that we have to go to revival meeting and things, that's bonus time. I'm living on borrowed time, and so are you. Uh, oh, we won't regret doing the will of God. We won't regret living our life for God. Uh, he says in First Thessalonians 5.18, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God. Uh, there are specific things that God wants us to do each day, but then there is a will that God has for you. Uh, are you living your life for his purpose? Are you living your life for him, for his will? Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You look at Paul, and God had a purpose for his life. But you know one of the purposes he had for Paul's life was suffering? He was going to go through tremendous suffering. He uh, was put in prison. Uh, there were so many things that Paul endured. And you, and you look at him and you think, wow, Paul was one of the greatest Christians uh, that ever lived. And, and you think, wow, what a great Christian. You know what God calls that? What does God call that type of Christianity that just lays it all on the line, that gives its life as a living sacrifice, that gives its life holy, acceptable unto God, what kind of life does God call that kind of a life? Reasonable. Reasonable. So anything less is unreasonable. When you and I do not live that way, we are the ones now being unreasonable. God calls that a reasonable service. It's logical. It makes sense what Christ has done for us. We are to live that life, to be, to be set apart from the world and, and to be saturated in God. Uh, to have that that good and perfect, acceptable will of God. I'm almost done, but uh, to know the will of God, uh, a Christian must do several things. One, set your heart and obedience to do his will. Just like we did here this morning, God, whatever it is you speak to my heart about, by your grace, I will do it. God, I'm setting my heart and obedience to your will, whatever it is that you want. Realize that God's will is always in harmony with God's word. He will never contradict his word. God's will for your life is always in harmony with his word. And then seek his guidance prayerfully and earnestly. And then number four, specifically plan to do what you believe to be his will. When you include God in your planning, he'll help you toward the goal that he has established. Whatever God is wanting you to do, step out in obedience. Have faith. We're to walk by faith and not by sight. Not by feeling, but by faith. Oh, it is so easy for us to let our lives go by. And not make them count for Christ. Because our life is but a vapor. And as D.L. Moody said, Am I, uh, we ought to fear in succeeding at the things that don't really matter. Are you living your life for eternity's values in view? We were there in Massachusetts a few months ago and were able to see D.L. Moody's tombstone. And on his tombstone he has First John 2 and verse 17. And the world passed away, but he, and the lust thereof. but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Oh, it is God's will. It is doing God's will that brings purpose in our life. In closing, the vapor, uh, though it is something that appears for a little time, teaches us another lesson for us these days. Now, James didn't know about this, but uh, years ago, there, of course, many had seen that the vapor on a on an uh, iron pot that uh, uh, would come through that pot and would lift that heavy iron lid. And one scientist began to think about that a little bit. Here's this, this steam, this vapor that's just here and gone, but yet it has some energy there. It has some power there. And they began to think a little bit more, and, and as uh, others uh, uh, began to develop it, they, they realized, you know, we can take this vapor, we can take this steam and use it to produce energy, Uh, And eventually, uh, the the steam was used to push pistons, which in turn were used to turn wheels. Uh, There was uh, different manufacturings that came through the uh, they uh, uh, the vapor was used to drive different engines of the industrial revolution. Feats long impossible became everyday events. Factories sprang up all around the world because of the power of that vapor that was being controlled and used for a specific purpose. It simply needed to be channeled. So our lives can be dissipated, can be wasted, can be allowed to drift away like vapor in the air and, and, until we vanish away, or through Christ and doing his will, Christ uh, can, can channel us to do things, uh, channel through us to do things that matter for eternity. Oh, because of the brevity of life, we must live for eternity's values. We must live for God's will. Through doing God's will, you and I can live our vapor to the fullest. Are you living your life in the vapor to the fullest? Are you, what is your life? Are you living it for yourself? Or are you living it for eternity's values and view?